Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of the VC Bruna podcast, a podcast that provides a unique perspective of the startup world through the lens of venture capitalists and entrepreneurs. I'm your host Dikjay and today I have with me Utsav Somani, partner at AngelList India. AngelList is a platform that has democratized angel investing and is helping startups with fundraising, launching products and hiring talent. Besides leading AngelList India, Utsav is also an experienced angel investor with a portfolio of more than 30 companies which includes the likes of Bharat Pay, Ad Pushup, Innovate, Loginext, Mall 91 and many more. He has recently launched his new micro VC fund called iSeed, which is India's first micro fund backed by top global founders and investors. In this episode, Utsav talks about his exciting journey and vision at AngelList India, the disproportionate upside from writing good cold emails, advantage of having angel investors on your cap table along with institutional VC funds and starting his own micro VC fund iSeed to bridge the gap between India and the Silicon Valley. I had an amazing time chatting with Utsav and I hope you enjoy this conversation too. Let's jump into the episode to find out what Utsav has to share. Hi Utsav, welcome to the VC Bruna podcast. Glad to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for inviting me Vijay. My pleasure. So, you know, for those who don't know you, could we start with a brief background about yourself and, you know, then we can jump into the questions. So, I'm an information systems and finance graduate from Singapore and I did a master's in innovation and entrepreneurship. I know that's a funny thing to study it as a master's, but made some great connections uh, in Barcelona. And now I'm actually heading AngelList in India. But before AngelList, uh, uh, I was doing a whole bunch of small gigs across various industries, IT and finance mostly. and uh, got fascinated by the world of startup investing fairly early on and it's been exciting uh, so far and now i'm doing angelist india full time as a partner and i also run a small micro fund called iseed which i raised uh, earlier this year and it's basically uh, to invest in indian founders looking to go global so these are my two full time uh, gigs at this point of time right awesome and you know a lot of people might know this who know you but uh, for those who are getting to know you through this podcast could you tell us how you got recruited for angel list india and you wrote a cold email uh, which if you could elaborate on and you know throw some light on the contents of that life changing email yeah i hope uh, i can post that email sometime but i think that story is out uh, way too many times so navel ravikant who heads uh, angelus and founded angelus and venture hacks in us i mean i listened to his tim ferris podcast and that was literally life changing in so many ways Uh, I wanted to reach out to him just because there were a few problems which I saw in India in the early stages of angel investing and startup fundraising. I've been in this industry for five to six years and across various sort of platforms and networks, and I saw problems. I mean, many problems in this industry which sort of are broken, uh, which exist basically. And I'll tell you why. So the triangle of angel investing revolves around founders, investors, and lead investors. founders are always getting the short end of the bargain i mean they're i mean always facing different issues and issues revolving wet signatures from 20 investors in a cap table not knowing who's investing and leads are not getting incentives and found and investors are not seeing the best deals because there's no incentive for the leads to share their best deal flow with you so angelus was solving all of this and when i discovered navel and angelus through that podcast i wanted to reach out to him and see if angelus can work in india and i mean that's when i went down the regulatory sort of rabbit hole where i discovered that syndicates are sort of these unique spvs which are created and they couldn't work in india so we had a few exchanges and then he said that i mean if i can be an advisor and the i mean the path that we took forward was that i became an advisor to angelus in india and worked with sebi the regulators to get the structure approved 
because this was, I mean, sort of very tricky to do in the sense that syndicates were not allowed in India at that point of time. Uh, so we were literally the first ones to do this and move the industry forward. And uh, no better way to just uh, do it for AngelList in India. So Naval was kind enough to respond uh, to the email. And uh, here we are two and a half years later. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, a couple of lessons for all founders who've been trying to uh, reach out to VCs for fundraising. You know, one is there's no harm in, you know, sending out a cold email. The zero downside and unlimited upside if it works. Second, probably, you know, it's very important to get that first impression uh, right. And I'm sure when you send an email to Naval Ravikant, you don't get multiple chances to write that email again. So what would be your advice to these founders, you know, uh, in terms of writing a good cold email to investors? So, I mean, cold email is a secret weapon. I think it's a asymmetric bed of a lifetime, basically. It takes five minutes. And like you correctly said, that it's five minutes of your time, but it can honestly change your life. I have gotten access to some of the top investors of the world, actually, through this. I think warm intros come with a certain bias and obligation. So I honestly feel that if I can reach a person directly, then I think it's always better to go direct. And not just cold emails, but Twitter DMs, LinkedIn uh, messages, and even cold emails. Most of the people have put out their emails, obviously accessible in different ways. So first name at domain is, of course, the most easiest uh, hack for people. But you have to realize that most busy people work with executive assistants and typically they don't check that first name and domain email. So what you should do is always have like a bunch of other emails in BCP where you sort of do first name dot last name and domain or first name initial and last name at that domain, a bunch of other these combinations. So you try just so that you want to reach them. And then once you reach them, you make sure that you have a crisp subject line, no more than seven, eight, nine words and just hit the point on it. Says, Don't be vague that I'm trying to change the fashion industry or something like that. Be like very specific and you're sort of expecting somebody to read. So you are actually expecting them to do you a favor by reading that email. So keep it two to three paragraphs, but no longer than two to three lines in each paragraph. I think you have to be found, but you don't want to make the reader lose interest. So it's a disservice to them basically. So make sure it's super crisp. And I think read over this and i think once you do a first set of few e's cold emails and be targeted don't be like mass market and send it to everyone i think you really want to get connected and that should show in that email as well and there's also a time and a place to get a cold email in somebody's inbox right in the sense that you don't want to reach out to somebody when you don't have anything to discuss properly i think there should be a sort of an action item also at that cold email you don't mail somebody and say i'm a big fan so i mean few of these hacks but I think the key important theme, which is I think we discussed before this uh, also was that find that one high impact connect of your life. And for me, luckily, that was Naval Ravikant because he's, I mean, a great philosopher, a thoughtful person. And I've learned so many things like saying no to things, creating boundaries. And he's been amazing in anchoring my funds, connecting me to investors, being a great sounding board uh, for Angelist in India. And I highly recommend to everyone who's listening to this that find that one person. It doesn't have to be somebody famous or it can honestly be your mother, like who's trying to believe in you. And I think this number is a set of two or three people over your lifetime who believe in you can just change your life. So it's about finding that high impact uh, for your life at that point of time and nurturing those relationships and compounding those relationships. I think that can be powerful. No, absolutely. I think some, you know, very good insights here. And uh, for those who don't know this, you know, I got Utsa on board also through a cold email. So he was kind enough to respond immediately. And here we are, you know, recording this podcast. And great point on getting that one mentor or one person that you can, you know, always have as a sounding board and constantly, you know, exchange ideas and learn from. 
So, so I was uh, doing some research before this uh, interview and I, I came across this interesting article that you wrote, you know, way back in 2016. I think early days of your angel investing uh, at that point. And the title was Hacking and Surviving My Second Year as an Angel Investor. And I want to quote a specific line that you mentioned in that article, which says, Entrepreneurship and starting up is overrated and glamorized. And so is angel investing. Do it only when you have the right reason and the absolutely necessary drive needed to go into overkill mode. So would be great to, you know, have your thoughts on this and help us unpack the notion of glamorized entrepreneurship and angel investing that we often see around. Got it. So uh, this was, of course, written four years back when syndicates didn't exist and syndicates have really changed access for people to sort of get into this. And angel investing, you most definitely, I mean, the odds are stacked against you. If you're not seeing the best deals or not doing this for the long run, you're going to lose out for sure. So I think even starting up a company is at least a decade long journey, even as an angel investor, like it takes a decade or more to just sort of get better at the craft and founding a company is also a craft. So people do this just because they've read an article in the newspaper that, hey, uh, being a founder is sexy. But to be honest, I think a lot of these sexy things have a dark side to it. And that can be losing your relationship, losing your mental health, losing your sleep over it. And as an investor, it's much easier, of course. Uh, you don't go through the same hardships as a founder because if you're doing angel investing, you probably have some risk appetite uh, to do this. But unless you're getting access to the best teams or the best founders or the respect from the best founders, do not start angel investing. Platforms like AngelList have changed that, of course. Uh, you can now back trusted investors to do this. So, of course, 2016 to 2020, a lot of things have changed in the industry as well. And capital is abundant for founders, but only get into this whole treadmill of starting up a company and raising venture capital when you think that you want to stick with this idea for the long run. It's easy to start a company. It's, I mean, it's never been easier to start a company. It's never been harder to build one, I think. Risk capital in this country at this point of time is at its peak availability right now. But do you want to start a company just because a certain sector is hot? Or do you want to start this company because you've experienced that problem and want to solve it also? So have the right reason for anything that you do. Angel investing is three things. I mean, you bring capital, you bring network, or you bring experience. And if you bring all three over a long enough time horizon, I think you'll succeed. Right. And, you know, speaking of angel investing, you know, if a founder were to look at an angel investor and filter out two or three key traits that, you know, one should look in an angel investor, what would they be? So the good angel investor is probably very accessible and reachable. He or she brings a certain level of empathy that founders need at the very earliest stages. And angel investing, I think you'll have to speak to a lot of angel investors. And I think as founders do that, they get sort of more knowledgeable about how a particular angel behaves with them. I think ideally and a founder who's raising uh, at the very early stages will probably do at least 30 to 40 pitches to probably get his first yes. And that can, of course, vary for certain founders also. So I say go wide and deep, keep refining the process as with anything in life, that what do you see in that angel investor if he or she is a fit for your cap table? I wrote an article on this to classify a different set of angel investors as, say, brand capital or super connected angels or people who are like your cheerleaders or somebody who's a good sounding board. The article's live on youridealround.com. I think everyone, every founder should read it. I've, every founder that I interact with these days, have been, I've been sending this out and they've sort of appreciated this uh, also. 
good angel investor knows upfront that what he or she can help with and that investor should be super upfront about what they cannot help with as well because you don't want to yep. mislead an entrepreneur by saying that oh i can get you these set of customers or i can uh, find you your next great hire but eventually after the check is written uh, you just disappear so be super upfront with founders i think you have to respect and make the journey as easy as possible in this uh, company formation process no absolutely and you know speaking of that article we'll definitely uh, link it to the show notes uh, and like you said you know that self awareness as well as you know being authentic with founders is very important and flipping the frame of reference what are some common traps that founders can avoid you know especially during their first fundraise so i mean given that indian landscape has changed substantially there are a lot of large vc funds who are coming in at the seed stage now and that comes with uh, its own sort of advantages and disadvantages as well i think signaling is one of the biggest risk uh, for signaling risk is uh, can be removed by great execution but at some point you have to realize that suppose things don't go well uh, and odds are in that favor so you will have to raise the next round and if the in- institutional investor is not willing to sort of give you that time and attention and that capital at the next round stage then you will be uh, in a tricky spot i mean people will ask you different questions but also i think knowledge capital at the earliest stages is very important so i always advise to founders that leave some space for value add angels and value add is of course an abused word i think but if founders do their reference check on investors they'll figure out very quickly or uh, speak to peer founders or reach out to investors and say how they can help i think as the game of angel investing is being institutionalized investors are increasingly putting themselves out there and founders should sort of have a combo of like a fund or an institutional player along with certain angels because for a large fund you might be just one of every i mean a large investment but for an angel investor you might be a much bigger deal right because they put in time and money and their name and reputation behind it so they will cheer for you harder and go a longer way in sort of ensuring a success so get a common i mean and of course all the standard with the conditions apply as well they get a nice lawyer get a nice accountant i think to cost you should not save on because i mean terms are getting onerous as capital is becoming abundant but terms are getting onerous so i think in india we don't have a concept of yc uh, like document like safes and all of those other standard high resolution fundraising documents i hope that changes but until then get good set of lawyers so you don't fall into common trap i mean you can start a company very quickly but all of these messy administrative matters can uh, bog you down so yeah just get a good round i think in the early stages if you are in a privileged position to think about capital from different sources get a good mix of names on your cap table yeah and you know it's all the more important because probably some founders don't realize uh, while they are fundraising you know they are giving up equity in their company so it's you know very important whom you are sharing that equity with and get the right stakeholders as well as shareholders uh, you know in that company which, which is forming a very good foundation at the early stages true equity is the most precious asset i mean it's truly the most precious asset class for a founder yeah exactly so you know uh, so i want to talk about angelist india and it was a startup in itself when you started as an advisor and then scaled it up quickly in the last 3 or 4 years so you know when you look back upon your angelist india journey you know what were the key aspects of venture building uh, that you believe you got them right and probably highlight some mistakes that you learned from along the way so we're still a startup by the way uh, it's been only two and a half years since we launched so we've not even completed 3 years in india it's been an exciting time and i think there were tailwinds in the ecosystem that people adopted us really fast i think 
they needed a solution where I think startup fundraising becomes more organized in a way that access to great founders and uh, all of this stuff comes behind the unified structure, which we call syndicates. And being a pioneer in this space, we really got the love from the ecosystem. And that's been amazing to see in the last two and a half years. We've quietly become the most active investor in India. And all of these are verifiable numbers because we're regulated by SEBI, which is the regulator for securities and exchanges in India. So the vision that, I mean, the whole broad thing was that startups are going to save the world. And of course, we have to fund and help startups succeed. We want to remove any friction that is possible uh, from their journey. But the broader vision, I think now has become of AWS of early stage investing. And why I say that? Because we've scaled really well with our syndicate leads. They're some of the most active syndicate leads on the platform are the people who are sharing allocations in ongoing rounds and bringing value-add capital uh, in a single structure. I think there are some leads who are doing like 20, 30 investments in a year now, actually. And we've literally just scaled with sort of how our leads are growing in their investing journey. So we truly just want to be the infrastructure where people are funding innovative companies. And that's truly been the vision that we've just executed on. It's been a fairly lean team and we've raised external capital. So I have a separate sort of board that I answer to and uh, we track OKRs very religiously. And it's been a great uh, sort of journey. And I've learned a whole bunch of things. I mean, uh, doing this pseudo operator sort of entrepreneur role with uh, heading AngelList in India, and I've got a great team supporting us now. We're nine members strong. We've launched Equity List. Uh, I think you had Sumuk on your show also. So the idea and the vision is to become the startup operating system for companies in India, because I think there is no equivalent of Stripe Atlas in India. There's no equivalent of like a whole bunch of tools which exist for founders in the US, right? Managing your cap table. We're investing in like innovative companies, but cap tables are still managed by uh, Excel sheets and there is zero transparency in the whole process. So I think the vision is now to just clean up the whole early stage fundraising process uh, for founders, for investors and people who want more insights and get access to this. And you want to shorten fundraising time for entrepreneurs because at the earliest stages when you're deploying capital, I don't think there's much that you can do. Some of the diligent steps which some of the founders tell me about is just crazy because you might find one bad apple and 50 bad apples, but do you want to make the other 49 pay for it? Probably not, right? And people who are getting into this, we tell them that this is a high risk asset class. So educating people, I think that's been a key learning on this angelist in a journey that educating investors and founders about some of these things has come at a cost of, of course, uh, growing too fast or to, uh, toning down a pace. But I think we're doing it the right way. And I'm very excited about where Angelist India is heading. Uh, we've got a great team now and we're putting out great software for the early stage investing uh, practice. And let's hope this scales up really well for the next decade. No, no, absolutely. And looking forward to that vision uh, getting transformed into reality. And like you said, you know, I think what Angelist did really well in India was focus on their customers, you know, which is both the founders as well as the VCs or the angel investors and, you know, addressing those pain points like any other, you know, startup should do. I think that's what clicked for you guys. And, you know, were there any specific challenges that you would want to highlight, you know, along the way, along this journey? Uh, I mean, a bunch of internal things, but to be honest, we've just stayed away from like the limelight and just executed. I think it's just brute force execution and like just go out and do it. I think since you're funding innovation and if you're not innovative yourself, it's easy to get into that VC frame of mindset, but truly we're just actually not investors. We're truly entrepreneurs. So we have a certain level of empathy for the founders that we're investing in. So it's literally the concept which we allow, I mean, syndicates allow founders to invest in other founders. And we're truly loving that by uh, practicing that ourselves as well. Well, awesome. You said, you know, you're building on that AWS of startup investing and building on that. So where do you see Angelist Inda, you know, 10 years down the line? I know it's the long time horizon. Oh man, that's a tough question. <laughs> uh, 
you'd asked me two and a half years back that we'd have a portfolio of 200 companies and be backed by some of the best investors, have a fund called The Collective, uh, which is backed by Axel, Matrix, Kalari, DST, Falconet, and all of these guys, I wouldn't be able to like predict it even like six months before the fund was raised. So it's truly just taking one day at a time. I mean, uh, a 10-year vision for us is pretty hard to imagine. But I think the broader thing is that startups are going to save the world. I've mentioned this previously also that you want to remove friction from their lives as much as possible. Just get out of the way, give them capital, be there when they need help, be the platform of choice when they want to hire talent, be the platform of choice when they want to fundraise and be the platform of choice when they want to launch their products. And if they want to manage equity, we have equity list as well now. And hopefully more products for founders in the coming time. And, you know, for all the founders, pairing founders, especially listening to this, you know, you should definitely check out the platform if you haven't. Moving on, Utsav, you know, I wanted to talk about your latest micro seed fund, which is iSeed. New beginnings for you. And wanted to start off by asking you this, you know, what led you to start iSeed? So iSeed, of course, it's my latest baby. I'm super excited about it. That's what I keep myself busy on the weekends and at nights. Basically, I was investing uh, through syndicates a lot, but doing syndicates also took a little bit of a time. And syndicates come with the problem that you can't accept foreign capital. In India, the regulations make it tricky for foreign capital to come in, at least on the Angelus platform. So there were a lot of people who I interacted with because of my role at Angelus who were uh, investors in the US. And they had sort of a curiosity which they wanted to satisfy about investing in Indian companies and learning about the region as well. And India's, of course, got a decent bit of hype uh, globally as well. I mean, people are covering Indian companies, increasingly uh, a rapidly growing unicorn population. I think there's seven unicorns which got minted in just 20 and of course, Geo has been a game changer in terms of putting India on the map and getting a lot of people online in India. And I think internet GDP of the Indian economy, I think, will just increase purely because of Geo also. So the excitement for India was there. Yep. But at the earliest stages, I wanted to, inst- I mean, so in US, it's a common trend where everyone has a micro fund and that's sort of the natural progression because you want to institutionalize your angel investing practice if you're an active investor. So how do you serve your founders best? And raising a micro fund allows me to quickly deploy into companies which I think are exciting and get out of them. And syndicates, of course, have a certain friction uh, in the sense that you need to write up a memo and you you can't pre-decide an amount, but a fund gives me that flexibility and of course allows me to move much faster. So uh, the natural step was to bring the smartest entrepreneurs and Naval was of course very kind to anchor this fund as well and introduced me to a lot of LPs, uh, investors who ended up investing in my fund and these are experienced operators, right? people who built companies and have decades of know-how and these are people like founder of Thumbtack and people who've taken companies for IPO like Betfair founder, Wikihow founder and amazing people, right? These people have raised absurd amount of capital as well and done great for their companies. So how do we connect the Indian founders to those people and this culminated in launching iSeed and iSeed was raised earlier this year. I've done 14 investments from it. And the key theme has been that Indian founders are getting smarter about who they raise capital from. So how do I put my weight on their cap tables by being more value add than I typically could? And iSeed is exactly that. That now with a single check, you're getting the brain power of the best minds of Silicon Valley, uh, the founders and operators of Silicon Valley who want to come and work with you and open doors for you in Silicon Valley. Increasingly, Indian companies are going global. So how do I level the playing field? And I see it is exactly that. Right. And, you know, from your initial investment, uh, could you share examples of, you know, how these startups are already leveraging the LP Connects and getting connected uh, to the Silicon Valley and expanding their products in those markets? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jonathan of Thumbtack has been super helpful in connecting a SaaS company, which we have not announced yet, uh, to some of the early customers and clients. And 
There have been a few other examples like Anirudh Pepper also requested a connect to this thing. And we created the Knowledge Council uh, recently. So we announced the Southeast Asia expansion as well. So I did a second fund with my partner, Bing, who's leading it full time. And I think Southeast Asia is exciting. We can cover that later. But now the founders of IC, we've got, I think, 15, 16 investments across the two funds. And the idea is to have this experienced set of operators. We're probably not LPs uh, in our fund, but like people like Sriram Krishnan of X Twitter and and of Village Global, there's uh, Jeff Morris Jr. of Chapter One and Tinder, and there's amazing set of people, Rippling, uh, CTO, Prasanna, and co-founder. So these people will do these monthly workshops with our founders. So the idea is to be so valued that it's almost irresponsible for a founder not to consider ICED at the earliest stages. And you'll get best access to the Silicon Valley mines just with a single check. No, couldn't agree more. And, you know, especially with the numbers that you're talking about, you know, 15 investments already. I think you announced the fund uh, somewhere uh, middle of this year, you know, just after the pandemic. With the speed of execution, the kind of value that we're talking about, you know, I couldn't agree more that, you know, I see it should be a good option uh, for founders to look at, especially at early stages. And, you know, talking more about uh, the verticals that you're looking to invest in, can you elaborate a bit more on that? And, you know, the kind of founder personalities that you're looking to back through this I see it fund. So I think key founder personality, I think the common trait has been irrationally passionate about what they're doing. Like if they cannot talk about what they're doing for hours and hours until I have to stop them, <laughs> then yeah. uh, it's not somebody I want to partner with. I mean, there should be a glow in their eyes, uh, in their minds when they're like talking about their companies. Uh, and, and that's the key trait. And key verticals that I'm looking to invest in, it's fairly wide and broad. broad. Like, I mean, there are certain spaces which I don't understand. So I take help from my LPs to help me diligence those deals. But typically it's been combination of SaaS, enterprise, consumer facing companies, and even like a fitness app. Like, I mean, it's purely sector agnostic. Right. Got it. And are we expecting, you know, other ICED funds popping up? You know, we already have India and Southeast Asia. These were the only two regions where micro funds led by operators have not popped up. So we wanted to be first to market. And I have a soft corner for Southeast Asia because a lot of Indian founders are now moving to Southeast Asia to expand their companies or startup companies. And of course, the larger funds like Sequoia and Lightspeed have also announced. I mean, Sequoia has been active for a while, but Lightspeed also announced their Southeast Asia practice recently. So people are taking notice of the region. Of course, it's not good to paint Southeast Asia with one single brush. So it's, we're yeah. going to learn about the region, but we're learning very fast. And it's got similar traits and sometimes even better uh, traits than India. Like GDP per capita of Indonesia is higher. Indonesia's e-commerce GMB is about to overtake India in the next year or so. So they're building great stuff. I think only thing which is lacking there is talent. And that is getting leveled up really fast. So we didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. And Wing, who's my ex-colleague uh, from Angelus US, was moving back. So it was very opportunistic. But to be honest, I'm slammed for time right now. So I won't do any uh, more IC funds because it just won't do justice to the founders we're working with. And of course, my day job remains Angelus India and growing Angelus in India. Like you were explaining the kind of connects that you've made and you know how you've leveraged that and got that into action, you know, with IC Southeast Asia, helping founders, the knowledge council that you mentioned, and you've also been, you know, associated with the village global. So, I mean, it's just fascinating to understand and, you know, observe that you've used all that experience and network along the way to get things moving and provide that value to founders. And that's something that they should look for in their investors, you know, not just the network, but how are they leveraging those networks, you know, uh, even for their own businesses. I think that are some signals that founders can take you from, you know, in deciding uh, some of the investors that they want to associate with, especially at the early stages. So one question, you know, so before we uh, get into the rapid fire round, this is slightly broad. What have been your biggest life learnings principles from this, you know, decade of experience uh, of investing and working closely with startups? 
Oh man, I think so many, but I think it's just been go with the flow. I think, and don't be too hard on yourself. If I had to just summarize everything, I think uh, life just happens and leave space for luck to happen, but also position yourself to be lucky. If you're not doing the work, you're not going to be lucky. I think a lot of people just expect like magical, sprinkly uh, stuff to just fall in their lap, but I think it's not going to happen that easily. So just keep yourself on the treadmill and don't put yourself in a spot where you get burnt out before the rewards come in. Just keep at it. Beautiful. So Utsav, with that, we move into our final segment, which is the rapid fire round. I'll shoot some questions and hope to get your honest opinions on the same. I hope so too. <laughs> All right. So question one, what apps, resources, blogs do you rely on to keep yourself updated about the venture space? So, I mean, counterintuitively, I'm not a big podcast consumer. So Twitter is my go-to app for like content. And I mean, for news and everything, I, I refine my, who I follow very frequently. I think every month I like this join my list and I put Nuzzle on top of it. So Nuzzle is an app which sort of summarizes the most shared articles and gives me like a newsletter. Uh, there are good sub stacks which are starting up now. So I think uh, Anmol and Vedika do a great one. My colleague Shiva has a nice one, a weekly one. So I don't read too many blogs unless it's shared widely. But Stratacary or 20 Minute VC from the global uh, scenario, there's A16 is putting out great content and whatever comes my way, basically. I think I just need to discover uh, content mostly on Twitter. Describe the most unusual, memorable pitch meeting that you had with a founder. I think I remember uh, getting introduced to Vidit of Misha and I passed on the seed round and now I've learned the hard way uh, that be free of your bias. One thing that you'd like to change to help improve the state of the Indian startup ecosystem today? I think transparency and better terms for founders. The power balance in this country is in favor of investors right now. And founders should feel protected enough to call out bad investor practices. I think that should be more openly advocated in this country. I think this balance of advisor equity, all of these other bad practices which are going on in this ecosystem should be called out. And founders should feel protected enough and be encouraged to speak up about. People from the startup ecosystem that you look up to and that inspire you. Uh, to be honest, I don't, I mean, Naval Ravikant, of course, is the biggest, I'm his biggest fan, but I think don't idolize too many people. You're going to be disappointed when you meet your idols. So you should be your own biggest fan. And it's very dangerous because you start idolizing people and then you build your life on their level of thinking. So you're only getting the best parts of them, but you truly should realize that they have some negative aspects as well. So never idolize somebody or this thing, just build your own personal operating system and you should be the biggest inspiration to yourself. Utsav, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. And, you know, before we sign off, any last thoughts for both current and aspiring founders who are listening to this podcast? No, just keep at it. You guys are the heroes of the system and you guys are the future job creators and uh, you're going to drive growth for this country. So I'm, I'm very long India. I mean, I'm privileged and honored to be uh, partnering with Indian founders because I think what the next decade holds for the startup economy of India, I think it's amazing. And you really have to be in this ecosystem to experience it work at a high growth startup, find a, I mean, a good co-founder and start a company and just be involved in some way. It's uh, you're doing a disservice to yourself if you're not involved. Yep. Well said, Utsav. And it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks again for taking out time on a Sunday morning for this. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the show soon again. Hopefully. Thanks, Dikjijay. Great stuff. Thanks for having a good conversation. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the VC Bruno podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let our guests know about it. Share your thoughts on social media and let them know what were your key takeaways. We would truly appreciate if you could subscribe to our podcast on the podcast platform of your choice and leave us a review on Apple iTunes. 
This will help others discover the podcast. To get insights and to learn more about startups and venture capital, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We will love to hear from you there. You can find all episodes together on our website, thevcpreneur.com. We will be back again next week with another VC Preneur that is making a dent in the venture universe. Until then, take care and keep shining.